Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. Welcome to a brand new series of Not Another Mummy podcast. You might have listened to the mini series I recorded recently, looking at family life in lockdown. If not, go back and have a listen to some of those episodes. But I'm back with a good old regular series. Every week I'll be chatting to someone different about some aspect of parenthood. If there's someone that you'd love to see me interview, let me know. And equally, if there's a topic that you want me to cover, get in touch and tell me. On this episode, I'm chatting to psychotherapist Anna Mather. Now, if you did listen to the mini series, you might be familiar with Anna already because she was a guest in the first episode talking about surviving lockdown, anxiety and mental health. But I really wanted to invite Anna back because she has just written and published her first book, Mind Over Mother, and it is truly brilliant and helpful in so many ways. Anna has loads of great stuff to say about anxiety and motherhood, as I discovered during our chat. So I'm joined today by Anna Mather. Welcome, Anna. Hi. So you joined me a few weeks ago, didn't you, on my mini series, but I really wanted to have you back on as a guest to talk about your book, Mind Over Mother, which is all about anxiety in the first year of motherhood isn't it yeah it is because that's just I mean it's it's about anxiety throughout motherhood but really you know those that first year is just such a it's just such an intense year isn't it you know it's just so much change and so much going on that yeah it's good to have some some additional support at that time Yeah, I mean, it it seems to play such a big part in that first year for so many mums. I didn't even know that I suffered from anxiety until I became a mum. I I realised I'd had it for years, but I didn't know that it was a thing. And it was really helpful Mm. to be able to pinpoint it and give it a name. Yeah, yeah. I think... You know, we we all have our different kind of coping mechanisms and we often might worry quite a bit and overthink things and just worry about those worst case scenarios. But then suddenly when we have a baby, it just really ups the stakes, doesn't it? In those things that we we start to realise, man, I, I know I don't have control over stuff really, but now I've got this baby and I love it and I and it's so wanted. And now, you know, suddenly the world just feels like a bit of a 
dangerous and scary place to be. And how can I protect this baby? How can I deal with all of this worry when I can never promise myself that everything is going to be, a, you know, everything is going to be OK? So it's almost like the stakes are just kind of up to bit. That's so true. And also anxiety can manifest itself in so many different ways, can't it? In your book, yeah. you call it yeah. a master of disguise, which I quite liked. Yeah, I think when when I ask, you know, I've asked quite a few mums about postnatal anxiety and many of them have said, you know, oh, no, no, I didn't really, I wasn't, didn't really have anxiety. But then when you, you know, you start asking or I start sharing some of my own experiences about kind of intrusive thoughts or or kind of really worrying in the night, waking up and checking that, you know, my my first baby was sleeping or or having real kind of challenge around routine and finding it really hard that he didn't stick to the routine in all of the books that I had on my bookshelf and finding that a real challenge. And, you know, that that's anxiety at play in, in different ways. And I think it, yeah, it has so many different manifestations and it is often all comes down to that very same thing of, you know, fear and a need for control yeah that's so true and and when you're a new mum control is something that you just don't have yeah. because you've got this new brand new human that hasn't read all yeah. the the mum books and the baby books and doesn't know what what it's meant to be doing yeah yeah and it's I think you know pre-baby life we we don't really kind of think quite so much about it we we tend to have more control don't we 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 know we want something need it feel it so we address it um and that's kind of yeah we just go around making sure that we are okay and then suddenly there is something in our lives that means so much to us and and we can't be ever 100% sure that everything is going to be okay you know and it, it's just it just yeah it just kind of brings anxiety to the forefront and just can make us become aware of it but actually it, it's very likely that it was there there all along we're all anxious to a degree we all are because you know, and I say this in the book, that anxiety in and of itself is, is actually a mechanism that is there to save our lives. You know, it's it's there to kind of make us aware of risk and responsibility and outcome and just to keep us a bit wary so that we are kept safe. And it's a mechanism that is there to kind of fire into action if we're at threat so that we can run and move and think fast. So but- when how do we know when to listen to that anxiety and when to not you know when it's when it's not helping us when it's not serving us I think if it if we are feeling it a lot and if we are feeling like you know sometimes I've explained it as like I sometimes I feel like I'm living like I'm being chased you know or I'm living as if I'm holding my breath and tensing my body as if something's about to happen I'm waiting for something to happen I'm waiting for something bad to happen and it's like that that is that's a you know that's there to save our lives that is not a lifestyle so as soon as we start to notice that we are living anxious, we are living scared. There is so much more for us than that. Like that is, you know, it's not a sustainable way to live life. It's not a pleasant way to live life. Yet so many of us us do and have for so long. And, you know, I remember kind of joking around with friends when I'd had my first about, oh, well, anxiety, you know, worry is just part of the job description now. I'm just going to be forever lying awake, worrying about the things that I cannot control and worrying about my baby's health. And then they're going to get older and I'm going to be lying awake worrying about that. And it's kind of this acceptance that, you know, that's what mums do. Like, that's how we love we worry. But it shouldn't be the case, should it? It doesn't need to be the case, no. It really, really doesn't. And I think um, the best example I can think of 
um, was a couple of years ago and my husband, he works in London um, and he, I couldn't get hold of him. It was very late. I didn't know whether we'd got on the train or not. Um, and I lay in bed thinking, oh my goodness. And I started going down this whole kind of road of he's been in a terrorist attack at 11 o'clock in London and he's, you know, he's not coming home and he's being killed and now blah, blah, blah. And I, and I literally started living it in my head and it hurt my heart. And I, and I was, you know, going, thinking it in real detail of how am I going to tell my children? How am I going to pay the mortgage? Am I going to have to move back in with my parents? And my heart rate had gone through the roof. I was feeling really on edge and shaky on the verge of tears I couldn't you know and it was like I'd gone down this road and I was feeling like hints of grief and sadness and fear and I was living this stuff totally and utterly unnecessarily and I think what we often do with anxiety is we we use it as a kind of a coping mechanism as a way to almost protect ourselves from bad things happening so that if we've experienced it all in our head and we've prepared ourselves for the worst then should it actually happen then you can turn around and go yeah I knew this would happen I've thought it all through I've already felt it therefore this isn't as hard, it's not as sad, it's not as scary. But we know in reality that it doesn't protect us, it just takes from us. It just, you know, it took from me that night, it took my peace, it took my rest, I couldn't get to sleep because I was like fully charged and ready to reorganise my life. And it, it was just so unnecessary. So that if we can if we can find ways to kind of really support ourselves in not going down those roads, just really trusting our, you know, the fact that we've all had curveballs in our lives that at some point, if someone had told me that I'd lose a sister, I'd say, well, absolutely, there's no chance in hell that I would be able to get through that. No chance that I would be able to live through that pain. Lo and behold, we did. You know, lo and behold, when we need to, we have, us humans have an extraordinary ability to move through and overcome. And I think when we feel anxious, we lose sight of all that we have journeyed through to get to this point. We lose sight of our strength, our resilience. You know, we are stronger than we think we are. So projecting ourselves into this future that isn't known and all these things that may, may well never happen, um, it's just taking it's just it's yeah. just taking from our now that's still true but also what I want to know is what what was the conversation that you had with your husband when he got home <laughs> I was just like I was he'd like you know his phone battery had died end of story that was it he, <laughs> that was it honestly and and and, you know, he, he just kind of sauntered in, you know, I can't remember what time it was, probably like one o'clock in the morning. And I was there having gone through this absolute roller coaster of emotions, still kind of on this adrenaline filled, you know, wide awake. And he just rolls it, you know, puts on his PJs and climbs into bed. Completely oblivious. Oh, yeah, completely oblivious. But but had I had I actually, and it's harder at night, isn't it? And I think actually when we're tired or we're run down or we're stressed and we, we're going through ch- challenge, we it's it's we have to put a bit more effort into into kind of rationalising those moments. It's it is harder, but we yeah. Sometimes our brains sort of tell us that everything's fine, mm. and there's a story that you were telling in your book that as I was reading it, I. I actually was thinking in my head, 
is this me that Anna's talking about? (laughs) It wasn't, but I was like, have I had this conversation with Anna? Because basically you were talking about a client who'd had a really textbook birth and he was actually actually left pretty traumatized by it. Mm. Um, And just the way that you were describing it, I was like, this is me that Anna's talking about. But it was, I find it really interesting because sometimes things can traumatize us and leave us with anxiety, but actually our brains are telling us everything should be fine. Yeah, and it, and and this is this is where it becomes really unhelpful again to kind of compare our situations to someone else's and our emotional response to it with that of someone else's because what one person might find really challenging, scary, and traumatic, another person might breeze through. Does that mean that you have no resilience and that you are a scaredy cat and that you should be tougher? No, it just means you have. You have different life experience. You're coming from a different place. You're experiencing life through a different lens. And we all do that. Like you might breeze through something that someone else finds really challenging. But again, as soon as we do that, compare our experiences and our responses, we often end up just devaluing our own emotion, don't we? And and kind of shoving it behind the damn wall or, or under the rug to trip us up later and saying we shouldn't feel like that. We shouldn't feel like that. And you know um, another thing that, that, that a lot of people seem to struggle with myself included is that negative internal voice like you know telling us that we shouldn't be feeling a certain way or comparing to others or um how do we how do we challenge that how do we stop that negative voice from spoiling our day spoiling our week I think someone said this on my uh, on my Instagram the other day and it's really stuck with me. You know, we 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 often find ourselves saying, well, so and so has it has it worse, so therefore I shouldn't feel frustrated, sad, overwhelmed, whatever. But we do not we do not find ourselves saying, well, so and so has it better, so therefore I shouldn't be feeling happy about this. You know, I mm, that's true. I had one baby. Alison's had two, therefore I shouldn't be, you know, this happy about my one when she's got two and she's the one that deserved to feel happy about this. You know, we don't do it the other way. It's tricky though, because I I do think that to a certain extent, we all need to be aware of our privilege. And I I don't think you would disagree with that. Um, And quite often I do find myself seeing things on social media and I'll get messages from people Mm. saying, you know, like, check your privilege. And and I'm I will always welcome that those conversations because I think that it's something that we should all be doing more of. Yeah. Um, but it's tricky, isn't it? Because like you know, you're saying that you know we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to others and thinking, well, you know, I shouldn't be feeling like this because other people have it much harder. But how do we do that alongside yeah. Yeah. being aware of our privilege at the same time? It's doing both. You know, it's it's absolutely, you know, reflecting on other people's situations as a way of enabling you to recognise your privilege and, and how, you know, how grateful you are for where you are. But if we use that as a stick to shame ourselves for feeling specific emotions, we, we will then tell ourselves that they're not valid, that we shouldn't be feeling them. And that causes, you know, that causes mental health problems, that causes you know, emotional challenge because things just get stuck. And I, do you know what I loved? Um, I like I like the, the idea that someone else's stubbed toe, someone else's broken foot doesn't make your stubbed toe hurt any less. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> we all we all have a right to feel. And I think the most important thing is that we, we do bring in that gratitude. We do bring in that awareness of our privilege and we use that to balance it out. We use that so that we're not just looking at the hard and the bad and the sad, but we're also aware of the good and the right and the, and the wonderful and the privilege. And we can do both of those things at the same time. You can feel, you can feel sad and grateful. You can feel incredibly grateful to be a mum, but also sometimes you want to, you know, you want to do a runner down the road. Yeah. And, and actually, I think we seem to have gotten into this mindset that, you know, there's only space for one feeling at a time. Yeah. You know, I've got to feel grateful. So therefore, I cannot find this hard. Or I've got to feel happy. So therefore, I cannot find this overwhelming. And actually, you know, both. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And something that I think about a lot is social media and how much positivity and connection comes from it from mums at home. Yeah. You know, you've got all these mums at home caring for small people, um, you know, not not able to lead these exciting dynamic lives right now. Um, and so actually having that connection on social media is really valid. Yeah. But that versus the comparison that it creates and that feeling of not being good enough and you know, feeling like other people are nailing motherhood when you feel that you're not. Yeah, and it's 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 a blessing and a curse, isn't it? And the biggest gift that we can ever give ourselves and our children is to work on our own sense of self-worth so that we're not looking for that validation. We're not looking down a, you know, a stream of other people's lived, you know, f- captured moments in order to validate who we are. And and that is so, you know, it's so important. Otherwise, we'll just constantly be taken on a roller coaster of comparison where we see something that makes us feel like a good person and something else that makes us feel like a rubbish mum. But if we can find our own anchoring in working on our own understanding of our of our worth and validating our own emotions, we won't need so much to seek that externally. Yeah, that is so true. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, One thing that I'm really bad at doing, though, you call it putting on a mask. And my husband tells me off because when I'm struggling... He says that I'm really good at pretending to the world that I'm fine. So he'll see me chatting to friends at the school gate and me being all like, yeah, I'm fine. And we'll walk away. And he'll be like, why don't you just tell her that you're having a bad day and that you're really struggling or that you're feeling really stressed? 
And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Mm. I'm just, you know, I find it really hard to be honest when I'm struggling. Yeah, I think it's really good to, you know, in the in those moments to ask ourselves why. Is it because I find it hard to be vulnerable? Is it because you know, actually, it's not the right time nor the right place. Might I now drop them a text and say, you know what, when you asked me, I didn't give you the honest answer. I'm actually having a bit of a rough time. It would be good to talk sometime, you know, or is it actually, and, and this is what I talk about in the book, that for so long, for me, it was a coping mechanism. I, I, ha- I really had to show that I was all together because I was really scared about falling apart. You know, I really feared that if I let people see the reality of how I felt that I might fall apart and never be put back together again. And I may never, I may not be able to carry on being a mum. that I may not be able to kind of function. So, you know, I think asking ourselves why we do that, is it context? Is it just that that person, actually, that's not the person that you want to go into the detail with, or it's not the time. Because you can't do that with everyone. You can't just be like, you know, the the lollipop lady. Oh, let me tell you about my day. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no one has a right. No one has a right to your story. You know, it's actually a massive honor when someone chooses to show the behind the scenes, or when someone chooses to kind of take that mask off for you. It's 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 important that we choose who we do that with, and we might have some people that really get to know the kind of you know the crux of it. We have might have other people that we're we comfortable kind of letting in a little bit more. But the most important thing is is that we have at least you know one or two two people really two people in our life who know the reality of of how we are. I think it's also really interesting. It's re- it's really. Um, a good idea to be aware of how different people will react to you opening up I've got one friend for example who I know that if I open up to her she's quite kind of like stiff upper lip you know brush yourself off dust yourself down you'll be fine and then I've got another friend who if I tell you know share the same experience with her she'll kind of really delve into it but sometimes in a way that isn't always helpful because it kind of unearths all of this kind of feelings and emotions and so I have to almost like choose who Mm. I share with based Mm. on what I'm capable of dealing with in terms of reaction does that make sense absolutely absolutely And, and that's you know there will be friends that you know that you'll go into detail with at certain times of your life because actually they're they're a good person to kind of journey through with you with that and uh, you know and it just yeah that's absolutely normal it's just important to have someone or two people who do know yeah whether it's a professional uh, an old friend a new friend a partner just yeah and and I guess that that can change you know as you go through life those people will change and that's fine yeah um so let's talk about things that we can do to you know tackle anxiety and to you know coping mechanisms I guess Mm. um there was something that I saw you talk about ages ago and it is stuck in my head and I have told (laughs) so many people about this um it was a real game changer for me but it's you talking about reframing the mundane yeah so tell us about that. So this is, I don't even know where I where I heard it or saw it first, but it's a kind of, it's a typical reframing tool. But it's honestly, I would say this is one of the single most, one of the tools that has most changed my life and my experience of motherhood. And it is the turning I, I, I've got to, to the I get to. And it is that moment where 
you know, for me, I found myself crying at the washing machine, you know, with tears of happiness. I have never done that before. But what happened in that moment was like I was kind of huffing around, you know, when you're like just dragging bits of washing from here and you're like, oh, I've just got, I've got to do the washing. And you kind of feel a bit resentful and frustrated and bored of it all. Um, We've all been there. Why do my family keep having to wear so many clothes? Um, but, but you know, I, I, I chose in that moment, say, I get to do the washing. And suddenly I started thinking, you know, I get to do the washing with a washing machine that, that we have in our home, in our cosy home that keeps us safe and warm. I get to do the washing for my children for my husband, who I am so privileged to have. You know, I get to, you know, in these little baby clothes that I was washing and suddenly it turned, it turned the mundane into such a privilege. You know, I don't feel like this every time. I'm not always forever crying <laughs> at my washing machine. But in that day, I really needed that. And it, it just reframed it. And, I, and there were so many kind of runs to school, you know, the, the school run, the nursery run, and you're kind of shuttling around and everyone's whining and no one's finding it fun and you're not finding it fun and you just want it to be over so you can go and get some jobs done. And, um, you know, it was those times of actually remembering when um, a family friend went through a really hard time and she, she said, you know what I miss most of all is the school run. I just miss the boring things, the, the day-to-day things. And, you know, and it's it's actually sometimes we don't realise how much of a gift these boring things are, the mundane things. And it's just it's just that little tool. It just again, it's just that gratitude that, that draws our attention from what is hard and, you know, annoying to actually what is good. I think it's it's honestly such a good thing to do. And it's, I, it's stuck in my head ever since I've ever since I saw you say it. And let's touch on coffee, alcohol and sugar because they're all so nice. But when it comes to anxiety and our mental health, Mm. they're not always our friends, are they? Well, they, uh, you know, I think all of these things in moderation, but actually just recognising how you use these things. um, They are kind of fast track ways to feel better, aren't they? You know, or fast track ways to get something. But coffee and sugar um, and alcohol, which is obviously full of sugar, they they increase our, you know, a system in our body. So the coffee will increase our, you know, it's like our adrenaline. It's that kind of, whoa, we need this big boost and we can just suddenly do things quickly and then we have that crash. And that 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 the physiological response that we have to caffeine, like that increase in heart rate, that increase in the pulse, you know, that is the same, very similar sensation. It's it is what happens in our body when we when we're anxious. So if we're if you are someone who is anxious, what is happening when you drink coffee is quite reminiscent of anxiety. And I might have had clients along the years that, you know, report this kind of anxiety, this feeling of anxiety throughout their day. And obviously, when we feel anxious, we think anxious thoughts. And when we think anxious thoughts, we feel physiologically anxious because they're so connected, our mind and body. And then we'll do a bit of exploring. We'll find out that they're drinking like eight cups of tea throughout the day. So they're kind of putting their body into this kind of caffeine initiated fight or flight response so actually sometimes when we remove these stimulants and sugar it does that similar kind of that quick high and then that low which is a depressive low it's kind of a slowing down and that kind of it's that low feeling physiologically which can initiate those kind of low feelings mentally so sometimes it is just good to kind of check our usage of these things because if we're already struggling with anxiety you know then these things may not be helping so sure 
have a have a cup or two but then just just monitor how you're feeling before you go for the kettle again and maybe replace it with a herbal and alcohol as well you know it does that it does that kind of it gives you that relaxation you know that kind of a hug in a glass it kind of just suppress it it suppresses stuff it's a suppressant you know it it suppresses your nervous system so everything just becomes a bit slower and a bit you know and and actually, you know, sometimes that's what we crave when we have that glass of wine. It kind of slows us down a little bit and it kind of draws us onto the sofa when actually it might have been tearing around all day. But but the long term, you know, the people talk about anxiety, you know, often, you know, that 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 little rebound is a, it's quite an anxiety provoking rebound. It's just again, it's just taking a moment to notice the the impacts and the rhythms that it has. And it is it's far easier to grab a glass of wine or a coffee or a than do a I don't know to do a, a quick round of breathing to calm that to calm that you know that stress response or to to grab a yoga mat and do a few stretches when the kids have gone to bed instead of reach for that bottle of wine you know yeah. one one of those things is going to give you the effect of relaxation and one of those things is going to give you both the effect and the physiological relaxation so it's a lot more real it's hard that we're all kind of bombarded with, you know, as mums, we're bombarded with messages telling us, you know, have that glass of wine at the end of the day, have that coffee first thing in the morning. And it's kind of ingrained in us all to behave this way and to react this way, isn't it? It is. It's part of our rhetoric. It's part of our, it's, it's kind of like a very socially acceptable, it's more socially acceptable to use these mechanisms than not to. You know, it's more socially acceptable on a Saturday night to slouch down with with dinner and, you know, some wine than it is not to, to to go and have a, you know, to go and have a coffee and be gagging for a coffee at your mate's house than it is to say I'll actually have a, you know, glass of water. And if people like I've got, you know, some of my school mum friends, I I said to them round about kind of week three of lockdown, I sort of said, right, I'm, I'm off the booze for the foreseeable just as a pure self-care thing that I could see that it wasn't helping my mental health all the things that you've just described absolutely spot on and they were all a bit like oh really oh (laughs) and it really felt like this kind of social faux pas to be admitting that I wasn't going to be drinking for the next few weeks yeah but I think again this comes down to that comparison of actually so many of us collectively we look outside of ourselves to validate what we're doing so in that moment for some people when they find out you're not drinking it might be that it's making they're then comparing their drinking to you're not drinking and thinking well maybe there's something wrong with me that I'm not doing this or and it just you know if we're all if we all recognize that we're doing the best for us we won't need other people's choices to validate or invalidate what we're doing so again it goes back to that you know Actually, we need to work on our own sense of self and justification in our decisions and the way that we do home and family life and motherhood. Yeah. So finally, Anna, what other acts of self-care can we work into our daily routines? If we if we take a look at coffee, alcohol, sugar consumption, um, what else can we do that will help us? Start asking yourself, like you do with the kids, how, how do you feel? What do you need? You know, because I, I just think our awareness of our own needs, even the language of our own needs, I, I never forget a few years ago and I was kind of completing my training and one of my, um, one of my, you know, psychotherapy trainers said to me, Anna, what do you need? 
And I was like, what? She said, tell me, what, what do you need? And I honestly, I burst into tears because I actually, it had been so long that I had asked myself that question. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't even know if I had, you know, and I think if we're going to start valuing and recognising our own, you know, our, our own worth and our own reasons, uh, you know, the things that stop us kind of looking externally and finding validation or lack thereof whilst we scroll with a cuppa you know it, we're gonna have to start being becoming more sensitive and aware of our needs and it's not suddenly that we become you know really self-centered it's just actually that realization that we have to look after ourselves we've we've started to believe that love means to deprioritize ourselves right to the bottom of the list so you put everyone else first and that is what love is you know but actually mm-hmm. It, it, especially now when the world is all a bit wobbly and everything is so un, is a bit uncertain and there's a lot going on. Like my one job amidst everything else, you know, at the bottom of it all, the one thing that I need to do is to be an anchor for my children, is to find some way somehow to be consistent. And I can only do that if I am not burnt out, knackered, resentful at my husband, you know, over over prescribing myself so I have to look after myself I have to and actually that has to be more important almost looking after them because I I can't fully look after them I can't be an anchor consistent for them I can't respond in a way that I want to without being in a good place you know so self-care I think just encouraging mums just to start thinking asking themselves what do you feel what do you need are you hungry angry tired do you need a hug do you need rest do you need a snack do you need a wee it's all those questions like you say that we ask kids like we look after them we you know we you know if you've got a toddler and they need a nap it's like come on you're tired let's go for a nap but you would never take yourself off for a nap in the middle of the day And you might, you know, you might not be able to logistically, <laughs> but it might mean that you think, right, tonight I'm going to go to bed a bit earlier. You know, so you might not be able to meet that need in the moment. But actually, sometimes even just asking yourself and acknowledging it is having yourself heard. And you're, you're placing value on your own needs, because often what we're doing is we're placing value on the needs of everyone else above us, because we're saying, I value you more than I value me. I place more importance on your needs than I do on mine. So what... What message are we giving ourselves? And what message are we giving to, yeah. you know, our kids? Because yeah. it's, that's not a great lesson to be teaching them. We want them to grow up to be well-rounded individuals. Yeah, yeah. So just how, you know, how do you feel? What do you need? You know, what little way can you act on that? Because then, you know, that builds self-worth. Self-care cultivates self-worth. And the more self-worth we have, the less we're going to be looking for validation or invalidation of what we're worth, less we're going to be looking on in snapshots of people's lives to to tell us whether we're doing a good job or not. Yeah. On on that note, Anna, thank you so much for being my guest. <laughs> thank um, you. So Mind Over Mother is out now. And um, yeah, it's just a fantastic guide to identifying anxiety and dealing with it and all sorts of kind of coping mechanisms and ways of I guess kind of just digging into it and analyzing what's what's going on inside your head isn't it yeah yeah definitely it's just saying yeah you're there's so much more for you than living your motherhood to the soundtrack of worry and anxiety and this is this is how to get there 
brilliant. Thank you so much, Anna. <laughs> Thank you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.